Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. This is Dennis Burns. I'm here. We've got Kylie Miller in Concordia. She's still sheltering in place. I see her. We're on... She's in her living room, I guess. And we got Dr. Brenda, Brenda Tabanya, our soil fertility specialist from LSU. She's, I'm a, are you at your house, Brenda? Are you on, you're at your oh, house? Yes. Yes. So we're all yeah, at home. Well, and teaching from home. Well, you know, it's, this is uh, interesting times. We've had to adapt, uh, but we've still got a crop in the field. And that's kind of why we, you know, we've got you here today, Brenda, because it's time um, we've got corn planted. It's all fertilized the first time. Now we're looking at split applications or additional fertilized in some cases. So um, that's kind of why we're here. I mean, we've, you know, the corn is corn is what's prevalent is what the pressing right now. What do we need to do? Uh, we've got I'll, I'll lay you a little scenario. We've got corn that's been side dressed. And some of it was side dressed with full amounts, some with uh, three fourths or whatever, and they want to come back. Corn is anywhere from V4 to pushing V8 in some cases. Uh, and they're wondering, we've had a lot of rain. How much nitrogen have we lost? How much do I need to come back? Do I need to come back with any? That's kind of the questions that we're getting. Uh, let's yeah, just and also timing, that. I would ask too. Timing, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what, you know, Pre-tasseling, at tasseling, what are yeah. your what are factors for that? Yeah, so let's let's that's a big that's a big list of things we need to know. But we we'll start at the beginning. What we've put out a bunch of fertilizers. How much nitrogen have we lost? What do you think? Yeah, that's, rain. yeah, it's just, uh, actually the, the, it's a tough question to answer, you know. And, and of course, it's a different question that we knew we lost nitrogen from the field. And the next question, and the, the next big question is how much supplemental nitrogen we have to put out. So, um, although it's a tough question, that maybe we can piece out the information and make a decision out of that. So there are a lot of things or factors to consider before you can have a, a pretty much a rough estimate of how much nitrogen is applied. Uh, excuse me, how much nitrogen we lost from, you know, for example, the the recent rain we got uh, last week, we have like four, four and a half inches of rain. Mm-hmm. And I do yeah. have a trial out there uh, at Benhar Research Station where I believe my corn is about a V8, V9, V9 uh, stage already. They're pretty um, gross. So we probably had the nitrogen applied around V3. So that's a... Um, a time frame that I would say most of the nitrogen that we applied uh, has been transformed to nitrate. And so that's first thing. So to know how much nitrogen that we've lost or have an estimate is to look at the the um, the source of nitrogen that you applied and when was the time it was applied and the rate. And like you said, some of them applied full rate. Uh, Another question too is that uh, did we use an inhibitor or something like you know to slow down the transformation of your nitrogen to a form like nitrate, which is um, can be lost via denitrification or uh, leaching process. Okay, so with that being a question, 
the next thing is look into the soil type you're dealing with. And of course, in a landscape, it's, you know, you cannot say it's all uniform. There will be mm-hmm. Vari- mm-hmm. variation in soil types. So it's a tough thing to, uh, to answer. So for me, right now, I mean, let's pick up a scenario, what we have in the field. Like I said, we have a V8, V10, uh, I would say V8 leaf stage, and we put out our nitrogen at, at um, V3. So I would think uh, that uh, would be a good amount of nitrogen that we lost that we need to really consider going uh, back or do a supplemental nitrogen application. Mm-hmm. So the rate is the next questions. And so to get that rate, um, um, there are studies that put out that if you are along the way somewhere mid and you have uh, have seen some discoloration that was brought by, you know, losses of nitrogen, like for example, plant starts to get a, a little bit uh, pale green color. And you can see, I mean, I have a background here that Kaylee and Dennis can appreciate that even if it's uh, even a tasseling stage, you can see the difference in color. Then that could be a confirmation that there's a nitrogen deficiency taking place. So with that, am I going to apply 60 pounds? Am I going to apply 100 pounds? So uh, that's a tough decision to, to make, but you know, if you pull out some studies, um, I think there's a range of nitrogen fertilizer that you can put as a supplemental, especially if your stage is approaching reproductive stage. Uh, I would I believe between 60 to 100 pounds is something um, that may, can be considered, and uh, it's a matter of what source of fertilizer you're going to use uh, is the next question. So, mm-hmm. am I? Uh, if I expand it too long, so but uh, I think that's where I am right now with the rain that we got. Right, uh, it has to be. Uh, we definitely had lost a lot of nitrogen, and um, and that's um, something that uh, you can consider is uh, applying a supplemental N. Uh, do do a, a visitation in the field if you started seeing some discoloration of, of your corn plants or cotton. Uh, that could help up. Uh, you know, when it comes to mm-hmm. whether you need to apply or not. And by experience, for corn, put up 60 to 100 pounds of nitrogen. Yeah. Um, let me, Kylie, know Will is, is putting out, he's using Y drops, right? That's right. And he's using just 30 or 02? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, we've got a few people doing that. A lot of it goes out, like if people talk about supplemental, they'll say um, they'll fly on urea, 100 pounds of yeah. urea, you know. And, you know, the wide drops, I think, you know, in the work we did with you, the wide drops are much better, much more efficient than the urea, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's, you know, the producers don't have them. Um, so when you say 60 to 100 pounds, you're talking about 60, 100 pounds of, ni- of actual nitrogen, you know. Yes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much is Will putting out, Kylie? I, I don't know. Uh, but he's he started last week doing it? Yeah, I mean, corn's too big to run wide drops right now. So oh, really? he, if he didn't get it out before the, this rain, it was it was over. That chance is yeah. over. So it's it's outgrowing us. Well, it don't yeah, sound that, like you lost much then. <laughs> no, I mean, 
that that last rain, like I'm looking out my window right now, I can't see the highway anymore. That corn's pretty tall, so the there's no way you can get the spray through the field now. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, and, and we were pushing it last week. Yeah. Sorry about. That. Yeah, that that's one of the challenge I think when you're considering supplemental nitrogen is that when the corn gets too tall and you don't have that high clearance applicator that can you know allow you to cross the field and don't do physical damage in the corn. If you want to, because it's still, you know, uh, inject, injecting or dribble uh, uh, UAN solution would probably be a better option uh, in terms of source and application method as opposed to urea. But then if in case, you can definitely tell that uh, uh, there's deficiency and there's a big loss and yield potential if there's no nitrogen supplemental done or applied. Mm-hmm. Then probably the next option would be applying urea, and 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 th- this is this is not uncommon. I guess it's done in 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 corn and in other crop production system. Yeah. At what stage do you think you, if you were going to fly urea, um, when would you put it out? Well, right, like you said, it's 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 too tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I. I've seen the work with Rick Muscagney, they've done applying or flying urea even at tasseling stage. Okay. And, you know, that under this, you know, that condition, if you start to seeing really a, you know, spot in the field, especially those area where you have a landscape, there's ponding of water, that this yellowing or pale green color is very, very evident. Yeah, definitely that's an indicator that, uh, you know, nitrogen has to be applied and, you know, attacidine still, I think, is uh, a good stage to do a supplemental nitrogen application. Okay. All right. Well, good. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the work we did with you years ago with reference strips. Um, I mean, this would be a much easier decision if you had a to, if you had a strip through a field that had a 2x rate of nitrogen on it, that you could compare, if nothing else, just by color or handheld green seeker or something, don't you, you know, explain that to us. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, if we were sticking to the topic of having a supplemental nitrogen, given the situation we have, this heavy rain came through, a uh, good example from last year, and you have a nitrogen-rich strip. Having that, because that particular strip, having an extra nitrogen, I would say substantial amount of nitrogen high or higher than what is typically applied in the field. And if there's really a, a, a good amount of nitrogen loss on the rest of the field, that enriched strip would remain, I would think, having a higher level of nitrogen still in the soil because it received higher nitrogen to begin with. Then it can be used as a basis, whether... Uh, um, a supplemental N is needed. How you will do that, if in case the sup- that enriched strip is very evident, becomes ev- very evident, as opposed to the rest of the field, meaning it's greener and, and more vigorous than the rest of the corn stand or cotton stand in the field, then that, that's an indicator that an extra nitrogen should be applied, whether it is brought about by a heavy rain that results to that results into losses of nitrogen 
or simply it's just a, a way, a, an average year where you want to get a, a, um, a reference or a, a decision to make a, a second application of nitrogen fertilizer. So you put this enriched strip as a reference and if it shows in the field, meaning it's, it's very visible, greener, bigger, more biomass produced than the rest of the field, then that's a guarantee that the crop in question will, have, will respond to nitrogen fertilization. And like I said, in a situation like we had last year, heavy rainfall, that could partly give us an indicator whether we need to come back and do another application of nitrogen fertilizer. Yeah, it's an easy, and it's an easy tool to do. You just, I tell producers, when you get to the end, just turn around and double back over that set of rows. You know, it doesn't cost you much money, and it's a very good, you can see it all year, and, I, and I'll put this out there. I had a producer that did it last year, and Tassel came along, and he was worried about it. And so I said, where's your reference strip? And he went and showed me. And I said, well, there's no difference. There was no difference between the reference strip and the other. So he said, well, I, you know, that saved him, you know, saved him because he was fixed to fly on, you know, 100 pounds of urea just, you know, because he just didn't know. But this gave him a, I mean, and there literally was, you couldn't see the difference. If he hadn't had flags, you would have known, wouldn't have known where it was. So uh, that's, that's you know, it's a good tool. It's easy to use just have to do it i mean that's uh and we can use a little handheld green seeker i know we we've got one here at the station it's a little small kind of looks like a little the little shop little handheld vacuum cleaners is kind of what it looks like and you just go along and it gives you a reading in the reference strip it gives you a reading in the uh in the rest of the field and then dr jabani you've got a an algorithm that they can plug those numbers in and and it tells them you need more nitrogen, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that that's uh, you know, the, the the use of the sensor will give you uh, an additional information other than saying, okay, you need to apply nitrogen or not. Mm -hmm. With the sensor, you get a value, and that we use that calculator where you can just simply plug in those two NDVI values, one from the enriched strip and one from the rest of the field, a representative reading. And, and they'll give you an, applica an application rate <clears throat> based on the difference on the sensor reading that you got from these two locations. So that's how easy it is. And like Dennis said, it's not difficult to put up an enriched strip. All you need to do is double up the application rate. That's why uh, <clears throat> in, even in situations like we're having, and it's common to, you know, year after year that we encounter uh, factors that results to losses of nitrogen fertilizer. Given that you have that enriched strip, having more source in the soil that, you know, you can use that as a basis, again, coming back to the field where you started seeing uh, differences and it is giving you higher confidence on your decision uh, on making a supplemental N application. Okay. All right. Well, that's I have a question on tissue sampling. I mean, would could tissue sampling be used to help make decisions what are your thoughts on that uh tissue sampling you know you mean uh, uh it's the one that you're going to submit to the lab because there's two ways by which you can do a, a tissue testing it's a there's one on on-site where you have a kit where you can do a, a, a uh just squeeze the 
SAP and then you can get a color development and it tells you whether it's deficient or not for nitrogen. Or you can send it to soil testing lab to do the analysis. Which one you're talking about? Sending it to a lab. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, <clears throat> I would still say that it's a way by which you can confirm whether there's deficiency of um, nitrogen or not. But there's a couple of <clears throat> things that, excuse me for that, that needs to be taken care of or, you know, to be considered first is, of course, the turnaround time. Sometimes it's not that uh, quick of a time to get a, an information out of a uh, testing lab, although some laboratory, you know, especially private ones, can give you a shorter turnaround time to get the results on uh, tissue analysis. Second is, I, I'm not sure whether all laboratory has an inter uh, interpretation on whether you have, given the fact that you have a leaf, let's say leaf nitrogen content uh, on the tissue, whether they have certain interpretation, which stage you're talking about. So it varies. So that it, it is going to affect the reading or the concentration of nitrogen in the leaf depending on the crop growth stage you took the sample from and um, whether the lab has an interpretation on that, whether it's deficient or not, is the next question. So one important thing is that if this is something a producer is considering, is making sure that when they send samples and this, they want to do it this way, they, they have to send uh, samples from a, a spot in the field that they think it's uh, you know sufficient with nitrogen. I know it's a hard thing to do, but then they have to do their best um, decision on pulling out samples to just have a comparison. So that's the best way you can you can make use of uh, tissue analysis is to get at least a sample that you think that is um, uh, from a site that is not having problems with nitrogen deficiency. So yeah, that's, that's you know, that's still doable. The all, you know, like I said, the technology that we're getting right now offers a lot of things in terms of speed and uh, and, you know, the more sophisticated one is using that reading itself to get a recommendation. It's almost instant, like Dennis is describing, all you need to do is have a sensor, as, to, as opposed to, you know, pulling out leaf samples and then sending it to the lab. I would say the best time you're thinking about is probably three to four days. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, we, probably producer needs to find time to, to get the good representative samples from the field and plus they need to send a reference itself as well to make sure uh, the lab will have, if the lab will not have a, a interpretation for a certain percentage of leaf nitrogen, uh, then they can themselves make a decision upon based on the differences on yeah. the leaf nitrogen concentration. Uh, when you talk about pulling Tissue samples. I know when I worked for Dr. Muscagney, um, we always pulled ear leaves. Is that the leaf you're talking about pulling? What is it? Ear leaf? Oh, uh, ear leaf. Ear leaf, yeah. The ear leaf. Is that that's the what you're talking about pulling? Yeah. This is something, it's a good thing, Dennis, you brought that up because that's another thing too that I, you know, when, when we talk about uh, uh, leaf tissue sampling for analysis, it's also critical that you pull out the sample from the right, right spot of the, uh, or right place of the plants. Because if you pull it from the topmost part, it might not reflect really the 
leave not on the plant nitrogen status and so they are right it has to be pulled out you know on i would say the the mature group of leaves and and that should be around you know where you where you have that um you know if you're talking about the ear ear leaf uh first time i've you know and i'm not used to using i would say (laughs) the mature the matured leaves, those that you find from the middle or around, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the lower canopy. Uh, avoid plucking it out from the new growing leaves because mm-hmm. it's not going to give you a, a full, um, you know, representation of yeah. the, uh, you know, nitrogen status of corn. Okay. Yeah, well, we pull a lot of tissue samples all throughout the growing season. So, and I know a lot of people that do. So, I I'm glad you brought that up because um, I've always questioned whether we were even doing it right or reading the results have been kind of complicated. But um, so thank you for sharing that for sure. Yeah, that's that's one disadvantage of that. You have to, you know, it's affected by the growth stage, uh, affected by where you took the sample from. So, you know, that and, and we just all to be in the same spot, really. Um, general area, I guess. And then, then your thoughts on the comparison. I, I like that too. So. Yeah. Well, well, good. Now, so we can fer- we've got our corn all fertilized. I guess we just repeat <laughs> the process in the cotton. So what, you know, we'll side dress and then uh, come back at first bloom and check it again and just kind of repeat the process. Uh, hopefully, we won't have we'll have the right amount of rain and not too much rain but uh to excuse me you got to get us through the cotton season but probably another couple weeks corn's gonna you know we'll be pretty much done fertilizing corn even by with with supplemental you know i think most of it's far enough along i don't think it's i don't think there's that much late corn is it kind not around here i don't think i I mean, I only I haven't been around the whole parish. I've only seen what's right here by the house, really, in the last month. So, everything around here, is, I mean, it's very well on its way. Yeah, that's kind of what riding around. You find a, an occasional field that's later, but not much. It's all pretty well far along. Yeah. So, anyway, Brenda, that that pretty much covers what we were what we wanted to talk about today with um, corn fertility and. That's what we're doing now in the field. We're trying to make decisions on that, um, and we're we just needed some we needed some expert opinions. And here you came, and you came, you came and teamed, zoomed in here with us to to talk this morning and tell us, tell us what we need to do. You know, so we appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we're and we're still sheltering in place. Uh, and I'm assuming from what you said, you've been teaching from home too, right? Yeah, I well, the finals, this is the finals week. And so uh, class is pretty much done. I had given my final exam yesterday. So, but it, it's been a challenge, but, you know, teaching and working from home, totally different from what it is when you're on site. But uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're done with the semester so hopefully this is not going to be a repeat uh, in the fall well, I, agree. I hope i hope not and i hope we'll uh, get back out here we're we are going out doing demos i planted a cotton demo yesterday and uh, we planted some rice the other day and 
I mean, we've been we've been out doing some things, but it's very limited as what we can do. And it seems like we're all off schedule, off kilter, you know, um, just kind of with all this stuff going on. But um, maybe here for long, we'll be back normal, back to normal or as normal as we're going to be. And we can see you when you bring all your crew up this summer, and do some what the, what y'all do. Yeah. Looking forward to that happening. Although we started going out, you know, it's still you know, there's still essential work that needs to be done. In fact, we're fertilizing our sugarcane trials and seeing Gabrielle. Um, but we have to do it with pure personnel because you do the social distancing. As yeah. Can. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what we're all. So, and that's why we're that's one reason we're meeting like this is we're social distancing. We're uh, <laughs> We've been doing a lot of podcasts socially distanced. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> but we're uh, we're missing RL today. He he was tied up today, and uh, this morning he I talked to him earlier. He was tied up, but usually we're all in, and our internet's always kind of coming in and out. So we it adds a little variety to the podcast. But uh, we don't have any events coming up, do we, Kylie? No, no, unless they're virtual. Um, but no, there's nothing planned. Everything's off the schedule now. Yep. So that's kind of what I thought. So we're we're just kind of hanging out, and uh, you can still watch our virtual. The, we did the Wheat Note Field Day. We you can still see that online, mm-hmm. uh, and it's out there on our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a couple more YouTubes out there and different ones. We're trying to do some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's 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 learning the learning curve to learn some new ways to get information out. So, yep. but we're working on it. So yeah. anything yeah. else you got, Kylie? Or mm-hmm. that, that's all. Uh, you've covered it. All right. You got anything else to add, Brenda? Well, that's it. I mean, uh, thank you for your patience. I mean, even if I'm doing this teams for many times since we, we move on, you know, we move things online, I'm still learning my ways around it. Uh, I, I, I hope everything came out clear. Uh, if there's any questions, uh, um, you know, we will receive from producers. Uh, I'll be happy to help out with that because it's 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 a it's a complex topic to begin with, and it's just really hard to get one answer to all the questions. But yeah, I, I'm glad that I'll be able to uh, join you in this podcast and uh, looking forward for more of this type of communication. All right. Well, good deal. Well, we appreciate you coming. Any final words, Kylie, before you sign us off? Uh Stay tuned to our Twitter account for any updates and news articles and things like that. And um, we appreciate everyone listening and um, hopefully we'll have something good for you next week, too. Good deal. See y'all next week. Thank you. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local 